Let us pray. Lord, you have given us a song to sing. A song not just for this day, but for that day. And by your grace, you have connected the two through Jesus Christ. And so once again, we come to consider the words of Jesus and the words of Holy Scripture. And as we do so, Lord, I pray that you might help us to actively listen so that we can critically think, so that we can radically love. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week I began the first of a three-part sermon series. Aren't you glad it's only three parts? Right? I know everybody's like stewardship. Oh, for Pete's sake, stewardship. I thought about doing five, but some other people talked me out of it. You're welcome to them. Where your treasure is. Where your treasure is. It's based upon Jesus' words from Luke 12, 23. Where your treasure is, there your heart shall also be. Last week, we reframed our understanding of stewardship and the treasure that we've been given by God in terms of our heart. Whatever it is that we value, what it is that we place our treasure and our resources, that is, that is our treasure. That's our heart. And I think it's tough to understand what it is that we value if we're not sure about what our dream is. And that's why I shared the following question with you last week. What is your dream for Calvary Church? What is your dream for Calvary Church? Does anybody remember what the number one answer was that I received to that question? To be debt free. To be debt free. That was the number one response I received to that question. And y'all, that's a fantastic goal. And I believe that that's a goal that we will accomplish together while I'm here. But this is a goal and not a dream. Because your heart doesn't beat for being debt free. Whatever is on the other side of being debt free, there's where your dream is because that's where your heart is. I want to share with you now a portion of another dream for Calvary Church that was thoughtfully submitted to me. And it centers around the word noise. Noise. Listen to this person's dream. This person writes, I dream of noise. I want the church to be noisy. I want to hear children talking too loudly, crying and giggling. I want youth Sundays where the young people of our church amaze and startle us with their enthusiasm and vibrancy. I want to hear old people, of which I consider myself a member, complaining. Like that they like you Sunday, but they sure wish those kids would learn to speak up. I want children's choirs where there might be more shouting than singing and at least one child that twirls around and waves while she sings. <laughs> Y'all, I love this dream. I love this dream. It's the dream of noise and the dream of noise is the dream of life. And that's a dream that will intersect with God's mission. And that's where stewardship is vital to mission success. Because stewardship, stewardship is investing your resources at the intersection of your dream and God's mission. We have a mission. 
We have a story of Jesus to share. We have a heart that is beating for Jesus Christ. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. When we understand our dream, we understand what we value. When we understand what we value, we can utilize our resources to further God's mission if we choose to. And the parable of the Good Samaritan offers us insight into what it looks like when a person utilizes their resources to further God's mission. The occasion by which Jesus came to share this parable takes place when he's questioned by an expert in the law, a lawyer, who just happens to be attending one of Jesus' public teachings. When the lawyer asks, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's how I hear him. I don't know if he actually talked, but Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus counter-questions him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? To which the lawyer responds with the Shema from God's law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, love God with your whole person, everything. Everything is given you, your soul, your body, your resources. And love your neighbor as you love your relationship with God. Now, before I go on, let me just take a moment to quickly say this is how we achieve our mission of disciple making, friends. To make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world requires us to love God with our souls and our bodies and our resources and to love our neighbors in the same manner. This is the how. This is how we are to accomplish the what. Well, Jesus continued the conversation by telling the lawyer he'd answer correctly. Jesus said, do this and you will live. But the lawyer wanted to justify himself. Imagine that. Now, I can say something like that because my daddy's a lawyer. Now, to justify means to bring out the fact that a person is righteous. So the lawyer asked, and who is my neighbor? Y'all, hello, Mr. Rogers. Hello, neighbor. Would you like to be my neighbor? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Love, Mr. Rogers. If your children don't know who Mr. Rogers is, make sure you show them. For the Jewish people of the ancient Near East, a neighbor was another Jewish person. Not a Samaritan and definitely not a Gentile. So the lawyer intended to prove publicly to Jesus that he was a righteous man, that he already thought about how to practice God's law, and therefore he had no need of Jesus' teaching. So what was the lawyer trying to accomplish? Conditional love. That God's love is for the Jew only. You see, the lawyer was interested in a religion of convenience and personal preference. Hear that again. Does that sound familiar? The lawyer was interested in a religion of convenience and personal preference. Where he can say, I'm only commanded to love another Jew. And then, only if that Jew is following my interpretation of the law. You see, the question posed by the lawyer was, in reality... What must a person do to qualify that I should love him or her as my neighbor? 
Friends, this is the context. Those of you to my class, context is key. This is the context by which Jesus shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. And here's why I love this parable so much. Because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. They hated them. There was a long-standing feud between the two groups as Jews considered Samaritans to be, among many other things, half-breeds who improperly understood God's law and used deviant worship practices. That's why most Jews, when they were traveling, would go around Samaria instead of going through it, even though Jesus walked right through it that one time to meet the woman at the well. So to the lawyer... And to the entire crowd listening to this exchange, Jesus shared an utterly offensive parable. It's absolutely offensive for the time. Where the half-breed heretic is the hero. And the people that should have been heroes were only interested in self-preservation. If we put the parable in modern terms, we might change the character of the priest to a pastor. The Levite to everyone's favorite praise team singer or a Sunday school teacher and the Samaritan, an atheist. So what does this parable have to do with stewardship? I'm so glad you asked. Remember that treasure is more than money. It's right. It's what you value. And what you value is where your heart is. And where your heart is, you will give your soul and your body and your resources. And if you truly treasure that to which you have given your soul and body and resources, you will likely go the extra mile with the treasure you've been given. Right? Those of you with kids, how many times have you said, that's it, I'm not doing anything else, I'm not paying for anything else, and next thing you know, here comes another 20 out of your wallet. I don't have no more money, I'm broke. Somehow I find it in my car. Here you go. Because I value my kids, right? We value our kids. Here's the Samaritan's stewardship. Number one, he gave his time. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The other two passed the man right by. Presumably the man was a neighbor in harm's way, in desperate need. And the other ones are like, knew not having a thing to do with that. But this man gave him his time. Friends, your time is immeasurably valuable until you have no more. Right? Your time is so important. It is so valuable. Someone shared with me this week a really disturbing story that came out of Chicago. On a subway train, a man assaulted a woman. And the passengers on the train simply videoed it with their phones. There was actually a button they could have pushed to call for help. But they didn't even do that. The only finger they lifted was to record on their phone. They were so busy on their phones in America that they could not take the time to call 911 with that same phone. Nor could they take the time to go, stop, don't do that. Let alone maybe put themselves in harm's way or even to push a red call button. 
for help. And how valuable that time would have been to the lady who was being assaulted. The Samaritan came upon upon a person in need of help. And he gave his time. He gave his time. And he also gave his talents. The Samaritan went to him and, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Now this is one of the elements I really love about this parable. is because the Samaritan was prepared to serve with his talents, his skill set. His abilities. He was prepared to do that. He was like an ancient Near Eastern EMS personnel, right? He had everything with him that he would need to to care for serious injury, including the know-how to do it. He gave his time and his skill set. Anybody here ever go to uh, to the Bass Pro Shops? Oh my gosh, what a glorious place! <laughs> Only rivaled by Cabela's. Yeah. The other week, uh, I had, I had uh, Amy drive me there. She's my chauffeur. I like it. When she can drive, I like her to drive. She's my chauffeur. And um, as we pulled into the parking lot, uh, we noticed a man fall straight down forward. An elderly man. Went face down right in the middle of the parking lot, right in the middle of the lanes of traffic. And so, I don't know, I just hopped out of the car. And, I, and some people started gathering around it, but nobody was doing anything. So I did, right? Because, hey, man, I don't need a scout. I got training and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I just hopped in there and did that. I just hopped in. Not that I had any super awesome things, but I just hopped in. Somebody just needed to take charge of the situation. So I did. I took charge of the situation. And my favorite part of the situation was he said, are you a doctor or something? After, after we got the situation handled, 911 call, got him up, see there. Are you a doctor or something? I said, no, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm just a pastor, nothing important. Um, and then I got to pray for him. And that was the coolest part, right? Because I was prepared to. I was prepared. I was prepared to do that. I saw someone in need, I was prepared to help. I may not have helped perfectly, but I was prepared to. The Samaritan gave his time, the Samaritan gave his talents, and the Samaritan gave his treasure, his treasure. The next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper and he said, look after him. He gave out of his own pocket. He did everything he did and then he gave out of his own pocket to make sure that the man that was hurt had what he needed. And then he went the extra mile with all three. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. He gave his time, he gave his talents, he gave his treasure, and then he went the extra mile with all three, coming back to make sure that the man had everything he needed to be restored to health. The Samaritan took the time to care, offered his resources, he went the extra mile because his, listen, because his treasure was in loving God with his soul and his body and his resources and loving others the same as he loves God. Now, last week I shared that the first and the most important commitment we are asking for this year is prayer. Prayer. Pray, 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 pray. I didn't know you knew. You probably didn't know that you needed to know that pray actually has like four syllables. Pray. I know where I'm from. But y'all, we've got to be praying. We have got to be praying. 
We are asking you to personally commit time to praying for the mission of Calvary Church every day for the next year. Now listen, I know some of you have accidentally turned your cards in already and you forgot to check that committing to prayer part. So don't worry, there are additional cards in the pews. And I want you to know, I don't know who's done that, I just know it happened. So I'd like you to consider getting another card out of the pew and and committing to intentional prayer for the coming year. I really mean that. And for everyone here, listen, please wait until next week to commit your cards. We will have a special time of commitment in worship next week as our response to God's grace. And then that commitment will be available in the coming weeks after that to the end of November. So the first and most important commitment we're asking for, friends, is we're asking for prayer. The second one is this. We're asking for talents, if you will. In other words, what are the unique gifts, graces, and skills that God has given you? How can you deploy those skills to benefit the mission of disciple-making here at Calvary Church? A couple of congregations ago, I served a congregation that was full of educators and retired educators. But only one of them was willing to teach children Sunday school. Think about that for a minute. It was full of educators and retired educators, and only one of them was willing to teach children Sunday school. Why? They told me this same thing over and over, and I begged, right? I don't mind a beg. You can tell me no. I'll just beg you some more. It's what I'm going to do. Some of you are getting ready to get phone calls from me soon. I'm just going to be begging. I'm fine with that. Will you serve? Will you do? And their response to me was this. We teach during the week. We don't want to teach for an hour on Sunday too. Some of us, friends, have specialized skill sets and education that we can offer to the kingdom of God. But we aren't. Because that's what we do during the week. And yet this is how God has made you. This is how God has shaped you. Others of us have no idea, right? No idea what to do with our talents, our gifts, or our graces. So we're not sure how we can contribute. Pastor Randy, I can slam dunk like 30 30 balls in a row. If you can do that, let me know. I'm going to find a special ministry just for you. But listen, if you can talk... If you can smile, if you can say good morning, you can be an usher or a greeter. Because both are still needed, especially at the late service. Because the more that people offer this time and this talent, the less burden every one of us has to bear. And to my home brown brothers and sisters, listen, because I know you're home, you're like, how can I contribute? This is how you can contribute. If you can write or you can send an email then you can offer words of encouragement to others. And that's a much-needed ministry in a world that peddles hate and fear. That time and treasure is valuable. And as always, if nothing else, you can offer prayers, and that's plenty, because those are vital to mission success. You see, God will allow no gifts or graces or skills or talents to go to waste in His kingdom when they are freely offered. 
Which reminds me of a funny story that I absolutely do have time to tell. It won't take long. A couple of years ago, one of my children, I won't, I won't tell the person, uh, I won't reveal their identity, but one of my children was in my office. And they were looking on my wall, and they noticed my two music degrees. And this child said to me, Daddy, does that ever bother you that you wasted all that time and money on those degrees? Let that sink in. Does it ever bother you that you wasted all those time and all the time and money on those degrees that you don't ever use? Now, after this child thought about that for a minute, they corrected themselves. But here's what I love about it. Ain't a bit of it gone to, ain't a bit of it that's gone to waste. Every bit of it has been used for God's kingdom. Every bit of it. Maybe not in the way I thought it was going to when I pursued that education to begin with. But God will never allow any of our gifts and graces and skills or talents to go to waste in His kingdom if they're freely offered. So what might happen, friends? What might happen if our time and our talents united for the same purpose? What would happen if just 200 people, if just 200 people gave 120 minutes of their talents, that's like two hours, y'all, I think. Yeah, that's math. Two hours, 120 minutes of their talent to the mission of Calvary Church every single week for a year. Y'all, that would be 1,248,000 minutes given to the expansion of God's kingdom at Calvary Church. Please, hear me. Your talents matter. Your gifts, your graces, your skill set, they matter to the kingdom of God. Imagine what kind of awesome Jesus transformer thing we would have here on the street corner if we were all doing that. I almost said monster, but that just wasn't quite right. So I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, will you pray? Will you pray? Will you pray about what commitment you will offer God in the coming year? Will you ask God to show you where your heart is and then see if your heart is aligned with his mission? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Will you give time to God daily in prayer and weekly in service? Will you give back to God some of the talents with which He's blessed you? Next week, we're going to consider the last commitment area of this series, treasure. Treasure is the sum of everything. Everything we value, including and especially the income that we've earned and saved and inherited. So will you pray about giving back some of the money with which God has blessed you? Not out of your abundance, but out of your first fruit. Because treasure is more than money. It's going the extra mile with our souls, our bodies, and our resources. Because we believe in something greater than ourselves. And that's loving God and loving our neighbor. And this is his word seriously considered this day for Calvary Church and all who join us online. All thanks and praise be to the living God now and forever. Amen.